Got a feeling it's going to get a little testy today. I got to go back to uh, when Craig Council was shown in the Pfizer form as the Milwaukee Bucks were going on their championship run. Craig Council was sitting there a couple rows up. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, courtside. A couple rows up. Craig Council was just sitting there, and the cryon flashed up on the Jumbotron and said, Craig Council, Brewers legend slash manager. Now, the legend status may or may not have come into question for some people last night as the Milwaukee Brewers were going against the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Brewers were up. What were they up, Rowdy? Four to nothing. Four to nothing. The Milwaukee Brewers were up on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Adrian Hauser. Hauser was on the mound absolutely dealing. In fact, he had a no-hitter intact. But after six and one-third innings, sitting at a 104 pitches with the Brewers up a four to nothing on the Pittsburgh Pirates, out walks, as some would suggest, Brewers legend Craig Council goes up to Adrian Hauser and he says, you know what, Adrian, give me the ball, you're done. And then Daniel Norris came in and immediately <laughs> stunk it up for the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers eventually go on to lose in 10 innings, 8-5 to five to the Pirates. Rowdy, a no-hitter was in play, and it was yanked away from the Brewers manager, Craig Council. Adrian Hauser, I don't even know if he slept last night. Unbelievable. Well, stop me bef- Stop me if you haven't seen this before, right? I mean, <laughs> how many times have we seen this? Mo- We've seen this Countless. multiple times with pretty much every single starter this year. Yes. How many times did it take before Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns were noticeably pissed and noticeably saying stuff after the game to finally we've seen Brandon Woodruff more so, who is also, I think, noticeably the most frustrated, given more opportunities to stay in games longer. Yep. Again, Let the pitchers throw, Rowdy. If I'm Adrian Hauser... I'm not coming out of the game. Let I say, Craig, go sit your ass down. I have a no-hitter intact. Vominos. Scram. Hauser sitting at 104 pitches, Rowdy. Well, 100 pitches, that's where we always cut it off at. 100 pitches, then their arm might fall off. Now, I don't know if he's going to go the whole game. I would have liked to seen, though, him try to accomplish something that's very hard in the the highest of all of the sport of baseball, right? A no-hitter. I would have liked to have seen him try. When I assume you would have liked to have seen it as well, Rowdy, right? Oh, of course. Unbelievable, dude. I mean, it, him him going out there and trying was obviously better than the alternative. Yeah, and the alternative, we saw what happened. It was uh, just an, a spanking, an ass spanking of the Milwaukee Brewers, one of their newest pieces. <sighs> Rowdy, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I don't know. Looking at Daniel Norris, I'm not really blaming Daniel Norris. I want to. I'm just blaming Craig Council for this. But Daniel Norris comes in, and what does he do? He gives up two hits, three three runs. Two of them were earned. He stinks. And then what? Uh, who came in after that? Curtis and then Perdomo. It was all. I mean, the Brewers were cruising, dude. The Brewers were destined to win this game, and then the tinkering happened. Right? Didn't you feel like the Brewers were destined to win this game until someone sort of meddling? If you have a guy that's the leader of your team, the manager of your ball club, and they flash up that he's a legend, how many legends loses games when you have a four to nothing lead in the seventh inning and and your pitcher on the mound has a no hitter? It's, it's pretty hard to do. It, that's a that's a legendary move to make, not in a good sense. 
to go out there and tell a guy who's on a no-no to sit down and give me the ball. That's legendary, uh, a legendary dumbass move. Um, am I wrong in saying that, Rudy? I'm There's a guy on first base in the seventh inning because Adrian Hauser walks, walks the leadoff hitter, but he goes out there, and what does he do? He... Yeah, it's just so you can, you can do it. frustrating. You can do it. You can do it. You can talk. We can talk our way through it. Uh, I love the crew, man. But and they're they're still twenty games above five hundred, seven and a half games above the Reds in the NL Central. But last night was very frustrating. He walks. He walks the first hitter, gets the second hitter. Then all of a sudden, they take him out. What happens after that? Single, double, walk. Then they go to a pitching change. Obviously, then they had an error, double, and then they finally get out of the inning later with with obviously a strikeout and then a, a flyout. It's terrible. It's awful. In that situation, you're playing Pittsburgh. You're up four to nothing. You're in the seventh inning. You have a guy that's throwing a no hitter, and you already have a shortened bullpen. Right? Mm-hmm. You already have a short bullpen because of COVID. Because Josh Hader tested positive for COVID. Because Jake Cousins and Hunter Strickland have tested positive for COVID. Because Gustave is a close contact. That's four live arms right there that all tested positive or either tested positive for COVID. Or we're in close contact tracing and we're unavailable. The Milwaukee Brewers knew that. That's why they had guys like John Axford up there before his injury the night before. That's why they had to recall uh, Perdomo. That's tough. But going into that game, you know that you have a day off on Thursday. Mm -hmm. You know that you had one more game. You know that you had Freddie Peralta on the mound. And at, at that point... You've already the guys that you decided to go to, being Norris and being Curtis. You have used them now three out of the last four days since you acquired them. Yeah, remember how it was always. Well, we don't want to stress the starters. Yeah, you just threw them. these guys into a situation, and I think both of them were thrown in a day earlier than they wanted to on Saturday. They've been using every game, remember, right? Every game but one. Yeah, and what, I don't think it was two days ago they weren't used. But if you remember, they were acquired Friday afternoon. They got to the ball club on Saturday. Both weren't expected to pitch until the Jake Cousins and the, the Hunter Rona. Strickland news. The Rona. They're thrown in there on Saturday. And then both of them since Saturday have thrown now three out of the last four games. So you talk about using people too much. How about one, you're starting with that, and those are the two guys you brought in right away. Yeah. And then going one further in the eighth inning when the game was tied, you bring in... Perdomo in an eighth inning. Perdomo is literally the guy that he is the lowest leverage of relievers that you have on this club. Yeah, he's not good. The only reason he's at the big league level with all the arms that you have is because of, once again, the COVID and they needed fresh arms. He's not a guy you want out there. Why didn't they go with Miguel Sanchez right away in the eighth inning to start? Yeah, because he came in after Perdomo, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at the this team that... Well, you had Hauser in there in the seventh inning. You say, eh, maybe if you gave him about 115 pitches, he probably gets through the seventh. But now you ended up using Norris, who didn't record an out. You had Curtis go two-thirds of an inning. You used Perdomo, Sanchez, Williams in the ninth, and then you had to go with Hardy in the tenth. Another guy that you don't expect to see at the big league level. He's been in AAA for most of the season. Six so you're using pitchers. A, you just ran through your bullpen 
for a guy that has had a no-hitter who is absolutely dealing and you wanted to pull him out? You just ran through your bullpen in a game in which you were up 4 to nothing in the 7th inning and you used 6 relievers. Again. 6 relievers in a game where you were already shorthanded and having to use a lot of those same guys the last 3 out of 4 days. 6 relievers rowdy to to pull a guy who had a no-hitter bid going. If there was ever a situation to stick with your starter, again, you were shorthanded Again, it would have been a nice time for a starter to go a little deeper. He had a no-hitter at that point, and he had really good stuff. Yeah, he had some walks. He ended up walking five in that game. But outside of that, he had really nasty stuff. I think it was in the first inning, the first five minutes of the game, he threw a nasty, wicked curveball, and I sent out a tweet. Man, that's a nasty hook from Adrian Hauser tonight. Wicked. You knew he had good stuff. Oh, he walked a few batters here and there. Okay, what if they were hits? You wouldn't have said anything. Rowdy, I I love, let's see here. I'm going to go to Rowdy's Twitter account again. That was a nasty hook from Hauser. Little did Rowdy know when he tweeted that out at 714. It was literally in the first inning. Little did Rowdy know that after he tweeted that out that the true nasty hook would be coming from Craig Council. The nasty early hook on a no-hitter bid as Council tinkering over managing and the Brewers lose to the lowly Pirates. Rowdy, your tweet was foreshadowing. That was a nasty hook from Hauser. Well, then Craig Council came out with the nasty hook and took him. As Rowdy says, <laughs> I love it, 714, that's a nasty hook from Hauser. Rowdy then tweets out at 937. Once again, Craig Council trying to be the smartest man in the room with his bullpen and cost Hauser a W and his team a lead. Hashtag bullpen blunders. And then you, I I get the people that say, hey, it's a 162-game season. It's a, it's a long season. Settle down. Guess what? Every single game matters. We've seen that. And that's a game that when you're in the seventh inning, you're up by four and you have a no-hitter, I think you expect to win that game. Well, Rowdy, when people say, well, there's 162 games, didn't the Brewers have to play 163 games one time to win the NL Central? Didn't the Brewers miss out on going to the playoffs by one game before that as well? Isn't there is doesn't every game, even though are 162, doesn't even though there are 20, 21 at the time games above 500, doesn't every game freaking matter not only for winning the NL Central, but then where you sit in the playoffs and who you're going to face? Or how many times in the in that 2017 season where they missed the playoffs by one game, and that was a team yeah. that was expected to be horrible. Yeah. But how many times throughout that 162 game season could they have found at least a way to win another game? where people probably wrote it off and say, uh, it's 162-game season. Uh, this team isn't expected to be that great. Exactly. Last night. And, and you have these people saying that, oh, okay, well, what if all of a sudden they lo- the Reds get red, 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 red hot, and they end up losing the division by one game, and the West yeah. continues to play well, and now they're out by one game. And then I saw a lot of people uh, responding and basically just being, well, Craig Council's smarter than you. Well, Craig Council's this. Well, well, Craig Council lost the game last night. Yeah, you, and, can, you can literally look at one move, and that's what Rot lost it. And then, again, when they say it's a 162-game season, then I I tweeted back at someone, NLCS, 2018 NLC, uh, NLCS, game two, possibly also game four. I mean, those were also games that were overmanaged. That's... Rowdy, it's very disheartening. The people that here's what I don't get the most: you have a guy who is throwing a no hitter at the highest level of baseball, one of the highest in sport, right? Major League Baseball, big, huge moment. 
best of the best going at it. People who say they're baseball fans, Rowdy, don't you want to see a no-hitter? Like, Don't you want to see the guy see it through? Don't you like watching guys compete at the highest of level doing something that's very rare and a hard feat to accomplish? Like, as a, as a fan of sport, don't you just want to see that as a fan of sport? Well, uh, you take those same exact people, and in their playing days, when they were playing baseball, if they were a pitcher and they were on the mound in that same exact situation and they had a no-hitter, if their uh, manager came out and pulled them, mm-hmm. what would their reactions be then? They'd be pissed. I guarantee you they wouldn't be happy because every time he does that in that situation, Craig Council spits in the face of a competitor. Yeah. I'm just saying, as a as a person and a fan of people that like sport, don't you like seeing guys, girls, etc., compete at the highest level and do something that is a hard feat to accomplish just as a viewer of sport? That's what Adrian Hauser was doing last night. It was robbed from him. I'm, I'm, I was and annoyed I by it. And I get it. They're in the seventh inning. Do we think that Adrian Hauser makes it to the eighth inning? No. No, no. probably not. So but I think, see it through. I think he definitely had, he could have went the rest of that inning. Yeah, he did walk the leadoff hitter. He got the second guy to pop out. He was at 104 pitches. He needed two more outs. Do I think he ends up throwing a no-hitter and going the entire game? No. No. Do I think he clearly could get through the seventh inning and put them in a better situation to only have to cover two innings with a bullpen that's had to work a lot more the last few games and it's been underhanded? Yeah, I do. Then you easily could have went Sanchez in the eighth. And Williams in the ninth. Yeah. Instead, you have to go through Norris, Cordes, per, or Curtis, Perdomo, Sanchez, Williams, and Hardy. You, as Rowdy suggested a little bit ago, you blow through your whole bullpen to as you rob a guy from a no hit, no no bid. And then you have a day game today, so it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, you guys you, in the bullpen are gassed. You just used a ton of the guys out of the bullpen. Now you're asking Freddie Peralta to really go longer. But what if he what if he runs a, a a high pitch count and he's out of there by five innings? We've seen that already with uh, Freddie Peralta, or we've seen him deal where he's only at like seventy five pitches in five innings and still get pulled. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And and then you even had a day off on Thursday where you knew that those guys were going to uh, get a, a breather. And on top of that, they had a ton of days off in July, mm-hmm. and going forward, they have a nice chunk of days off in in August and September that they didn't necessarily have at the beginning of the season. They only have one more super long road trip that's more than 10 games in a row. This is the stat I have. Sorry. Last night, Brewers were up 4 to nothing. Adrian Hauser had a no-no intact. 6 and one-third innings, Craig Council comes out and says, "Hey, skipper, hey boss, yeah, you're out of here. You're done. Give me the ball. Well done." He patted him on the butt and said, you're special, you're different and better than everyone else, but we're going to have you sit down. And you said, Rowdy, that Adrian Hauser seemed pretty uh, peeved on the uh, television set, right? The boob too? Oh, for sure. Especially, you know, he kind of gave like the, uh, when he got the hook. And then when he was in the dugout watching everything unfold, which obviously occurred after he was taken out of the ball game, he, <laughs> with each, with each uh, at bat was just becoming more and more pissed Incensed. and noticeably upset. Incensed. Well, check this out. I saw we've had him on the show a couple times from the Athletic. Will Salmon. He had tweeted out last night. When was the last time a team pulled a starter with a no hitter going, then allowed five runs in that same inning to surrender a lead? And by the way, the Brewers eventually went on to losing ten, eight to five. Well, guess what? RJ hit us up with a tweet. He found it. It's uh, stats by stats. 
This was tweeted out at 12.49 a.m. this morning. The Pirates were playing on the road, facing a first-place team, were getting no hit through six innings, and were trailing by four-plus runs through six innings. The Pirates have now become the only team in the modern era to find themselves in that situation and come back to win that game. Craig Council, how do you sleep? How did you sleep last night? I hope it was poor. Rowdy, the Pirates became the first team. Let's flip it. The Brewers became the first team in modern era to find themselves in that situation and lose. Playing at home, a first-place team, no hitting the god-awful Pirates through six innings and were ahead by four runs through six and became the first team in modern era history to lose. Well, my my first comment would be anyone, in my opinion, that was going to fight and defend Craig Council for those decisions tooth and nail was, in my mind, on the wrong side of this one. You mean they're going, a bunch of jokers? Yeah, going into that. And now you read a stat like that where there's never been a situation like this that a team has ever found themselves in. And if you're the Brewers, found a way to lose. Or if you're the Pirates, found a way to win. And yet... We watched it all unfold last night, and unfortunately, it was our team, the Milwaukee Brewers, that were on the losing end. Why is it always and the Brewers? And you were ripping your hair out watching the entire seventh inning. Why is it always the Brewers? I feel like the Brewers are always on the, the bad end well, of Well, how things. about even go one further? You were getting no hit a third of an inning into that seventh inning. So you're six and a third innings in. You are getting no hit if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes, you have a guy on base. Brewers have a nice, comfy four to nothing lead. It feels probably even more than four to nothing. And then not only do you wind up tied, or sorry, winning at the end of that uh, inning, but you find yourself with five runs on just three hits. It's insane. You after after seven innings, the Brewers had three times as many hits <laughs> as the Pirates, but they were losing five to four. After being in a comfortable situation, you felt really good about up four to nothing, and Hauser on the mound, and then it just imploded. Can I play? The, I want to play Craig Council's lie again. You want to hear it? Roddy's going to tell you where he lies. Listen, we he was on. Um, you know, we sent him out there. He, he threw the ball great, he, and he was throwing the ball great. Um, you know, we'd, we'd kind of lowered his pitch count, and we're building back up. He threw 70 last time. Um, you know, that this is as high as he's been all year. Wasn't going to finish the game. Um, so I he had the first two hitters of the inning for sure. Um, we decided before the inning, first two hitters, anybody gets on, it's Norris is in the game to face um, the, the left-hander. So... Rowdy, that's the lie. Yeah, so his, his, the first comment there, he said, we we said he has the first two hitters in this inning. Okay, cool. But <laughs> if anyone gets on, then we're going to the bullpen. Well, the very first batter got on, and you didn't, kept didn't, him out you there. Didn't pull him. You didn't pull him. Then he got his second batter out. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, like, what are we saying here? Liar. The people that are defending Craig Council tooth and nail. Listen, I didn't expect Adrian Hauser to complete the full nine innings. No, but I expected get him out of the set. Let him do the seven. I expected him to get through seven innings. Instead, he gets pulled. Norris comes in and gets obliterated. And we've kind of talked about it. They're short-handed in the bullpen. Look at look at all the guys that the Brewers have been able to find over the years that are currently in the, this bullpen. Obviously, Josh Hader is 
I'm going to the most electric reliever in baseball. He's down because of COVID. That stinks. But then you look at Hunter Strickland, who throwing the ball extremely well since the Brewers uh, acquired him. You had Jake Cousins, who since he got called up to the big leagues, he's been throwing the ball really well. You had Gustave, who once he got recalled from AAA, he was throwing the ball extremely well. All four of those guys are on the IL with with the co- either COVID or contact tracing. Got the Rona. That's four guys out of your bullpen. That's a huge chunk of the bullpen. So you already knew that you were going to need a, a better start from Hauser, which you got, by the way. But on top of that, you the guys that you decided to roll with, like the Curtis and the Norris, those were guys you just acquired, got thrown in a situation on Saturday because of COVID that they weren't anticipating to pitch. And not only that, on top of that... Mm. Since Saturday mm. to Tuesday, they were used in three out of the four mm. games. And you talk about pitchers' use and not wanting to overuse your bullpen, not wanting to overuse your starters. Well, then you just went totally against it right there. Why Why could Adrian Hauser not finish the seventh inning? Okay, I understand he had a walk. He had five walks. Would, it, would you have looked at that start any differently if he had given up three hits to that point and only had two walks? No. I don't really think so. And at that point, it wasn't like he he was walking too many guys over and over and over where it was getting him into trouble. And then you just you just look at it and you go, well, if Adrian Hauser could have given you seven, you look how Miguel Sanchez has come in since he has made it to the big leagues and has thrown the ball extremely well for the Brewers. He came in and cleaned up the eighth for Perdomo. Where why in the hell was Perdomo even out there to start the eighth? And then you had Devin Williams come in to save the game in the ninth. That would have been your setup. Yep. Hauser for seven, Sanchez in the eighth, uh, Williams in the ninth. And I feel like a lot of Brewers fans who has been watching the team for the past month and a half would have felt pretty confident with that combination hey, securing a a four to nothing lead. Hope springs eternal. At the end of the day, you're not going to win them all, right? Brewers still twenty games above five hundred. Seven and a half games about the Reds, first place in the NL Central. It's just it's just a little nerve-wracking, a little pisses you off a little bit. But, Rowdy, I, Well, it's I, a game you should have won. Yes. It's a game you flat-out should have won, and you just read the statistic about how no team has ever come back from that situation and, <laughs> and, and won, or no team has been in that situation leading and lost, but we saw it last night. That's why it's frustrating, and it could have been avoided. And it always seems like they have at least one or so of these games a month where it's just like absolute rip your hair out. What are you doing? You just blew the game. You blew it. Here's the thing. Adrian Hauser had a no-hitter going. Daniel Norris, I think this is very well documented about Daniel Norris. Daniel Norris, I'm not kidding, was living out of a van. Now, cool story. I feel like there's a lot of baked beans involved. Literally living out of a van, okay? I just want to say this. I tweeted it out last night. I'm going to say it right now. Adrian Hauser, who was on a no-no, was pulled from a game and replaced with a guy who lived in a van down by the river. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. That's Daniel Norris. A van down by the river. That's where he was living. He was replaced Adrian Hauser, who was on a no-no. Speaking of rock and roll and axe slingers, this guy, he can sling a mean axe. More like a John Mayer, though. He's not, not more of, he's not really an Eddie Van Halen. Say good morning to Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. That's how I know that you're an actual guitar player, because you refer to it as an axe. 
and most people who don't play guitar are just confused by that. So the X Man, you're a real one. Well, John Mayer isn't. I mean, he's a shredder too. It's just he's you know he just he does it in concerts. He leaves the uh, the shredding for the live shows, not so much the albums, right, Grant Bills? Yes, yes, yes. I thought you were about to slander my man's guitar playing, and we were going to have to set the record straight. So no, I'm glad you made that clarification. Dude's a beast. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. but it's true. I am not. Not really the Eddie Van Halen type. The tapping with my fingers—that's one thing that I I just can't do. No, no. Yeah, you're more of a you're more of a John Mayer man, right? Like that's that's I'm fair in saying that, correct? Yeah, I like John, I like Stevie Ray, I like Clapton, really like Marcus King, Eddie Van Halen, the the hard rock and roll, the shred the shred metal guys. Not really my. I'm not tough enough for that. I'm not badass enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. Grant Bills of West Coast Sports Show joining us right now. Hey, Grant, we're glad we could get you on today, man. I know you had some prior engagements yesterday. We're glad that we can finally get you to do it today because we missed you yesterday. We uh, had just dead air in your absence yesterday for 20 minutes. So just I was wondering, what did you guys do instead? I was curious. Well, was, actually, let me rephrase it. It was 10 minutes of dead air. The other one was John Mayer. Um, just your body is a wonderland playing. And I okay. you and you know, your prior okay. engagements. Your body is a wonderland. All right, Grant. So uh, there's something that uh, we've had this before. <laughs> Grant, there was a time when I think it was Brandon Woodruff or uh, probably Corbin Burns too, where they were had a like a no no going and or they're absolutely dealing. And Craig Council gave him the early hook, and I was mad online, and you defended Craig Council tooth and nail of how it was the right decision. What does Grant Mills think of last night as Adrian Hauser has got a no-hitter going? Uh, Brewers are up 4 to nothing. Hauser's dealing. Sitting at 104 pitches. Craig Council comes out, gives them you know, the hook, and then the Brewers lose. What's the, what's the Grant Bills approach on what happened last night? Okay, this can make me sound like a jerk, but I, I, I want to make sure before we keep going here that I got up at a, at a somewhat early time somewhat. to talk to you, which I love, and you want to spend that 10 minutes? You're sure you want to spend that 10 minutes talking about a regular season pitching decision. Okay. We're, we're going down this road. The first three minutes were about John Mayer. We're going to do a couple on <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers, and then we'll move to the Bucks. But yes, I do want to spend some time on this. I would like to hear the Grant Bills and his uh, opinion on what happened last night. He was at 104 pitches. Absolutely. I think the the mistake that Council made, if he made a mistake, was letting him go out there to start the inning at all, right? Because if if he was planning on pulling him at the first sign of trouble, then he probably just should have let somebody else start the inning. That's how I feel about it. So. I don't think the mistake was pulling Hauser. He's 104 pitches. I think if there was a mistake that was made, it was letting him go out there to start the inning at all. And I know that, oh, yeah, I don't know, hitter going. But, you know, I, he wasn't going to be able to finish the game anyways. Like, if he would have been at 65 pitches, that's different. But he was 104. So even if he finished the seventh, I don't think he was going to come out for the eighth or ninth. Do you think so, that, before, Rowdy has a question for you, but before that, do you, yeah. think, do you think that leaving Hauser in for the rest of the seventh inning would have uh, equated to the Brewers winning? Um... Probably more often than not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just, so in, I just the, have in the context scenario. of winning last night, yeah, it, it turned out to certainly be the wrong move. I got a scenario for you, Grant. We're gonna throw it back to Grant Bill's senior year of high school. Okay. <laughs> he he's in a competitive cross country race. They're all competitive, man. You They're are, tooth and nail. You are just giving her, and you are currently <laughs> on pace to run a PR. Personal you've, record. You've never ever done right. this. You, you're just blowing out your past PR speed. You're, your, your pace is you're quote unquote blowing today. the back out of this. And all of a sudden, you have your cross country coach come up, and this mm-hmm. is a, a, a dweeb that obviously is not running. He's got like a coffee and he's got like a bagel and he's eating and he's watching you run. He goes, 
Great. Board, yeah. I, I think you need to slow down. I, I just don't think you can finish it from here. This pace is too fast. You're looking too good. I think we need to slow it down. I might even need to remove you from this race because I don't want you to get hurt. What, Grant Bills what is Grant Bills, the, the competitor that he is, going to ah. say? Well, if my coach was the total jamoke who was eating coffee and a bagel, I'd probably be like, "Screw you! I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going." But if my, uh, <laughs> if my coach was the two-time cross-country world champion and uh, so would you say knew what he was doing and and was very good at his job, then maybe I think you know what? Maybe he's onto something. Um, but no, I would. So be, you would, would let your coach upset. tear away your personal, your PR, your personal best if you're just dialed in. You let your coach tear it away because he is a legend. <laughs> No. What if I, you were going to break mean, his school record and he is the, the cross country <laughs> legend? He's like, no, you got to slow it down. This pace is too fast. Too fast. You're doing too good, Grant Bills. No, that's, oh, well, that's an interesting theory. Maybe he, maybe when he, Craig Council is on the Brewers, they never had a no hitter and he wants to preserve that to make sure that the kids these days don't get to, okay. I mean, that's an interesting spin. I mean, like, what did you want Hauser to do? Did you want him to raise the stink and try to stay in the game? Yes. I guess, that's not what you're asking. I understand. Grant, but. on this day in history, on this day, August 4th, in what was that, 1993? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Nolan Ryan beat the hell out of Robin Ventura after uh, Nolan yeah. Ryan threw at him. I would have loved to see Adrian Hauser last night make his, own on the, make his own on this day in history and tell Craig Council to scram, let me finish the seventh inning. Otherwise, I'm going to beat your ass, all uh, Nolan Ryan. Look, I. I, I agree with you guys for the most part. Um, I think he should have let him finish the inning or not let him come out at all. Okay, we can agree on that. The inning. Yeah, we can agree like, on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am normally going to side if, if Council's pulling a starter, especially in the regular season. Like that's, I think he's trying to protect his starters because he wants to get to the postseason healthy. Like he doesn't need Hauser throwing 132 pitches for no reason. Even, I mean, a no hitter is. A little bit different, like in all all. You just don't that, like seeing guys compete at the highest level to do a, a, an accomplishment, a feat that's difficult to do. You just that's I, it. I think that's, that's what it, it is. I, I could never be a pitcher, and I was not a cool kid in high school because I ran cross country. So <laughs> you guys like this, I guess I get upset, and I take it out that I take it out on them by cheering for the manager over the players. Uh, we love you, Grip. And by the way, th- I just want to reiterate: thank you again for getting up early to talk to us. I told you we were going to come in hot. Did I, did I not? <laughs> Yeah, it's not that early. I just need a reason to complain. <laughs> Rowdy's like, I got a good question for Grant. I'm like, okay, just we'll let it happen organically. We'll see what happens. Hey, Grant, um, something that you're really good at besides cross country and hosting the Wisco Sports Show from 4 to 6 here, which is a phenomenal show. Don't don't get it twisted. I love what you do. Uh, Grant, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, how about George Hill coming back to the deer? What do we think, man? Yeah, I mean, maybe back up point guard. So I was talking with a coworker yesterday before I left work, and he's like, "So they need a point guard. Who are they going to get?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Demetri Trice will be available. Like, we'll we'll see." And then you know later. Well, then he night, signed a summer league contract, Demetri Trice. I think so. So that's still in the cards. We could still they need a third point guard. So maybe that'll be Demetri Trice. He can be on a two way. Oh, uh, I think George Hill's fine. I think George Hill is a dude who probably won't play super heavy minutes in the regular season, and he'll be someone that. You know, they try to keep healthy, and, and when the postseason comes around, then he's he's a guy who can play some more minutes. That, that's what's nice about George Hill is you can be comfortable with him in the postseason, and he can come in, and the moment's not going to be too big. He's great off the bench. He can shoot, right? So I I think the Bucks offseason is about finding one or two more playoff guys to go next to their starting five, and then Pat and Bobby. So ideally you want to replace Bryn Forbes with someone who could actually play in the postseason if need be. And I think George Hill can which is exciting, and he's familiar with the team, 
And I, I saw Dante tweet last night, like he was really excited about George Hill coming back. So if it's popular with the players, that's even better. When you were describing uh, what you thought you saw George Hill doing for the upcoming year, I was just yeah. picturing Jeff Teague in my mind from this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the, thing about, the thing about George Hill, and maybe I'm speaking out of pocket, my cousin actually went to college with George Hill at IUPUI. He said he was a really chill, really cool dude. Uh, not important, but I think, I think George Hill, if he comes in, in a postseason game, is going to realize, okay, I don't really need to do anything other than bring the rock up and make the right pass. And I think at times with Jeff Teague, like, he thought he was Steph Curry. It's like, whoa, 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 dude, like, relax. You <laughs> make one Jeff good Teague. play. And instead of, like, quitting while he's ahead, he would keep going. And I don't think George Hill's going to do that. So I think it's an upgrade for Teague over, just for that reason. And we're not going to see that for months because that'll only kind of show itself in the postseason. Hey, Grant, are you going to be okay with the P.J. Tucker signing a two-year deal with the uh, Miami Heat now? Oh, I'm so okay with it. I'm so okay with that. And I know anytime a player leaves the team, fans are always like, oh, the owners were cheap. Why don't they want to pay? No, they don't need to pay two years, $15 million for P.J. Tucker. They'll be fine. He can't shoot. He can't dribble. He can't pass. He's old. He's old, and his calling card is defense. So hey, Grant, thank you for your service, but have before, fun. Before I let you go, I know you're I know you're like the biggest NBA fan I know. Well, before I let you go, though, speaking of being old, are we going to have to change the uh, L.A. Lakers to the L.A. Geriatrics? What do we think of the L.A. Lakers with all of this, uh, like Carmelo Anthony's now there? It's like everyone in there has got to be like the like the average age of the team has got to be like 36. Dude, I, I, I said this about the Dodgers and the Lakers last week when they got Trey Turner and Scherzer and Westbrook. And I'll say it again, like, dude, I, feel, I, I pity L.A. sports fans. I feel bad. That could not be me. Imagine having to cheer for that disgusting, like, hodgepodge nursing home team like that just you look at the picture of all those players in their laker gear like the photoshops and it just looks disgusting like i no nah, that ain't that ain't real sports fandom that's that's not that i i feel bad for la sports fans but i, no, I don't agree feel bad. I don't, feel, don't feel bad for la because they don't care about you dude they don't care about you i'll tell you that much yeah makes me feel better about myself though if i say that i pity them yeah, okay, I, I, I get you. I get it, I get it. Uh, Grant, excited that we could have you today. Uh, now you're getting called an ageist on our Twitch channel after, uh, you know, the geriatric comments. So, you know. You said that. Well, then you took it a little farther. at nursing homes and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, well, you set me up, man. Like, I'm going to blame you for that. You threw me that lob. Well, Are you playing your body as a wonderland? This is like the 40th best John Mayer son. Well, I, Grant, this is an honor of you. I said... Yesterday, when you had prior engagements, I won't say what they were, but well done. We had 10 minutes of dead air, and then 10 minutes of John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland. So this is for you. So, so much of my personal life is aired on this show. I I'm didn't so say glad anything. My parents I did not listen. say anything. All I said was you had a pr- prior engagement. <laughs> did, did I, I did not say prior engagements? Yeah, you said prior engagements. Props. You guys are the very best. Is, I that hope you why, that. is that why your family emailed us asking for air checks every week? <laughs> send, us the, send us the tape. <laughs> well, okay, all right, real, real quick, Grant. What's what's your favorite John Mayer song? And so your body is a wonderland. No, I'm sure no, I was playing last night. To, I don't know. You sorry, two nights ago. There's, there's very many that I like. Okay, what's your favorite one? Uh, one of your favorites. Something, something bluesy. Always something okay, bluesy. Well, I'm not a big John Mayer guy, so you got to help me out here. Oh, my God, Eva. You talk about put me on the spot. Slow um, dancing in a burning room? Gravity? New light? Or, or, did I hear that wrong? Is Did you say a song called Someone Floozy? Neon? Oh, I really like New Light. I mean, that's very <laughs> modern, too. I use that on my show. I use that on my show. Oh, I'm going to use it on my show right now, or our show. So, Grant, there you, you go. There is New Light by John Mayer. Uh, well done, Grant Bills. We, we're glad that, you, you know, you, you set out on a mission and you accomplished it yesterday or 
the night before. And we're glad you could get on today. Thank you, Ebo. You, you are a wonderful human, and I enjoy the show. Thank you. We, we love you. We'll check you out tonight from 4 to 6. See you, buddy. See you, see you guys. There he is. Grant Pills, the Wisco Sports Show, my man. And here's John Mayer. News of the Weird, coming up next. We talking uh, all right, Rowdy, let's talk some Green Bay Packers. David Bakhtiari was on the podium yesterday for the first time since, I think, I think it's the first time on the podium since he tore his ACL. What was that, December 31st? The last little nut kick of 2020. 2021 comes around, turns out there's even more nut kicks to be had. Well, when it comes to David Bakhtiari and the Packers, Rowdy, uh, Bakhtiari was talking about his, uh, his, his injury, his ACL injury. And remember a couple months ago when it was, uh, what was it, voluntary OTA or involuntary OTAs? And the David Bakhtiari, all the news was he's out there working out, yada, yada, yada. And he was like really far ahead of schedule and he was absolutely crushing it. Well, David Bakhtiari was asked about if he was, uh, how he was feeling and if he's going to be playing against the Saints week one. I feel good. I'm not going to set any uh, dates or expectations. I think uh, it's going to be a fun ride and we'll kind of all figure it out. So I don't think we'll see him out there week one. I, and I, he's I think trending. That's he's a, trending. I think that's a good idea because remember he did it New Year's Eve, and we came on and talked about it. And I think it was, man, it was towards the end of that Packers season when we were talking about when do we think we're going to see him back, and we were just doing the math here, and we're like, man, probably the earliest with the standard professional athlete recovery time is probably October. Yeah, maybe into November, and then all of a sudden you were hearing rumors. What was that probably a month or two ago? Where they're like, like man, way ahead of schedule. Bakhtiari, way ahead of schedule. He'll be ready for opening opening uh, week. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, that, that's even a month or so ahead of what we thought best case scenario would be. It, because we know he's not Adrian Peterson. No. No one's Adrian Peterson. No. But it'd be nice if he had the healing ability of Adrian Peterson. That'd be cool. Uh, if he did, he'd probably already be out there. Yeah. I mean, it's like Wolverine, dude. Here is more from Bakhtiari what he, uh, about what he learned about himself after dealing with this ACL injury? Uh, I mean, yeah, really, really like football. It's almost like when you take something away, you don't realize how much you enjoy it. I mean, it is a grind. Uh, but being away, I'm like really getting itching to get back out there. I don't like seeing other people do my job. I know there's this road I have to go down, and it's a long road, and I don't like it, but the only way to get to where I want to be is I got to go down that road. So I'm currently down it right now, so we'll see where when it ends. You know, if I was David Bakhtiari, I would really, really, really like football too if I signed a four-year, $92 million contract extension. I also would really, really, really like football. <laughs> you remember at the time he had just signed that extension? Yeah. And then, then the, new, the knee blew? Like, oh, my God, uh, man. Uh, when it comes to rehabbing, though, well, right now he's essentially getting paid to rehab, right? And you see that a lot in professional sports, especially, you know, baseball. you got guys signing these big-time contracts. And then they get injured, and then they just get paid to go work out. Well, at least you can look at David Bakhtiari, and I know that Aaron Rodgers posted on his Instagram a, a picture of them with their last like off-season workout together. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've seen him walking around at, at Packers training He's like camps. jumping around, doing all kinds of stuff. He looks good. He's not a guy that all of a sudden... You know, had an injury and he comes back and he's overweight and you're like, oh, oh no, he's on the Eddie Lacy yeah. diet. Oh, this this no. doesn't look good. No, he looks good. He it's looks like great. he'd be ready to go. The only complaint I have of him is he stole my job for Allen Box Cheese and commercials. Uh, but here is more from David Bakhtiari about you know going through the rehab and the hours he puts in. It really kind of depends. There's certain days where you can't really do too much. You and you're kind of figuring out. I think the best rehab is the the one that's adjust constantly on the fly. So how much your body can tolerate because you want to 
basically toe the line without crossing it. Because once you do, then you kind of set yourself back and you don't want to be in that position. So I think we've done a great job here and with the people I was working with back out in California. We've done a good job and uh, I've been pleased. I mean, I guess this is something that you guys, I can tell you guys is I haven't had any hiccups, so that's nice. So I'm just yeah. kind of staying the course. Well, I kind of li- like that because he's almost in between here. And what do I? what am I saying he's in between in? We know that uh, Dr. McKenzie and the Green Bay Packers are a pretty conservative uh, medical staff when it comes to letting players come yeah. back from injuries. And Rowdy's not talking politics. Don't get your panties in a bunch. They're talking about conservative when it comes to injuries. And then we've also heard the last dance stories with Michael Jordan. He's like, yeah, I had a broken foot, but I was playing like pickup at the local <laughs> Y because they wouldn't let me come back and play. Yeah, <laughs> He's in the middle there, and I think uh, most fans are probably pretty happy with being in the middle there for the fact that he goes, yeah, I'm just testing it about to that line every single day and, and listening to my body. Yep. Well, Rowdy, speaking of Dr. McKenzie, David Bakhtera was asked about uh, what the earliest target date possible for his return is. I, I think it's a, two, it's a two-part question. I think uh, none of us are doctors in here, so let's just preface that. But from what I know, trying to listen, uh, physically, from a strength standpoint, I need to, you have atrophy to your leg with the inability on the moment of surgery of turning on the certain muscles after a long time, you lose a lot of muscle mass. The atrophy to the calf, to the hamstring, to all the other, um, you know, there's four quads. That's why they call it a quadricep. So atrophy to all four of those muscles that you need to rebuild. So uh, that, all that's to do with stability of the knee. And then beyond that, you have the graft. The graft needs to take and get blood flow and strengthen. And it goes through a kind of a bell curve of a lifespan. And that's where you get your date of where people feel comfortable, doctors do. And I think there's a fine line between the two. The only way we know exactly where the graft is is if I get cut open and they can go look and see where I am. Now, again, where does that put me? So uh, from what I know is I think we're going to have open communication the entire way, see how I feel, and... Once we all feel comfortable of where I'm at and when I can go out there and play not just football, but the brand of football that I know and everyone else does, I think that's where we'll be in a good spot. Man, the Packers in, uh, on the podium are very open and honest about a lot of things. They're, they like to go in depth with their answers now. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers really brushing off on that. He's guys. totally right, too. I know he tore his ACL. I've had leg injuries in the past. It is hard to get some of that uh, strength back. Oh, yeah. And some people don't ever get it back. Well, how about this? We have a G-Dub on Twitch. He says, just, just moments ago, I tore my ACL in 1997. I was sent to Dr. McKenzie. He told me I was done with football. So I said, I want a second opinion. I went to Dr. Kulplik, and he said, no, you're good to go. You can play. So I did. <laughs> G-Dub, how, he said, moral of the story is, even with an ACL tear, you can still play. <laughs> G-Dub, how does your knee feel now? That was in 1997, is now 2021. How does your knee feel now? I'm very intrigued. Like my wife, for example, I'm not comparing her to David Bakhtiari, which I would never, God forbid, no, then what? I'm glad Jen doesn't look like David Bakhtiari. They both have long hair. There you go. They both have long hair, and they both tore their ACL. So Jen tore her ACL, completely torn, and she, not to compare to, again, to an athlete, she's not really athletic, when it comes, she can ride a bike and run, but she really can't do anything. <laughs> well, she doesn't play sports. I mean, but, she can ride a bike and run. I mean, so she, can pretty much every other. But she doesn't play being. sports. She doesn't play sports. She's not good at it. 
So she can't do she can't ride her bike anymore though, Rowdy, because her knee's so messed up. So like she literally is in pain trying to ride her bike. She tried the other day. So David Bakhtiari, to G Dub's point, I don't think I don't think I don't think Bakhtiari <laughs> is gonna be taking up your advice, G Dub, to go play with a torn ACL. And definitely not Jen. She'll never longer play uh the uh, blondes versus brunettes in football. That's where her demise was. Literally the one time she plays a sport, first play, <laughs> knee, done. So, Rowdy, more from uh, David Bakhtiari. <laughs> Actually, Rowdy, there's some people that can't ride bikes. So I've seen people that they still need the training wheels or they're scared to ride the bike. So Jen's got that going for her. Uh, David Bakhtiari was asked about uh, one of the big things is uh, Randall Cobb back with the Packers. And Randall, or uh, sorry, David Bakhtiari was asked about having Randy Cobb back. There's not enough words or time that can express what Randall means in the locker room and as a player. Uh I mean, I have in my locker a photo of him my rookie year. Uh, he was very friendly right off the bat. He's a consummate pro. He does everything the right way um, from the approach, everything off the field to preparation before practice, to knowing his playbook, to being on time, um, to even what it means to be a father, to be a husband, to be a man. What is what is going on? I, got a, I actually have a question. What? So we know I want that to play the rest of this. David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers are tight. Yeah. Obviously, it's his left tackle. He protects his blind side. They work out in the offseason together. He wanted, obviously, Bakhtiari to have an extension and be there long term. From these comments from David Bakhtiari, he's obviously <laughs> a fan of Randall Cobb. They're buddies. He's a fan of like every aspect yeah. of Randall Cobb's life. I guess he's got a picture of him in his locker. That's probably a little bit strange. But I think hey, the biggest love. the biggest takeaway is why in the hell did David Bakhtiari address him as Randall and not Cabo? <laughs> as uh, who called him that? Rogers. Rogers. If they're Cabo. that if they're that tight knit, how come he's not referring him to his nickname Cabo? Unless Aaron Rodgers literally just makes up nicknames on the fly, Farvey, like Farvey, Cabo, Obaki. Uh, okay, I, I just got. I'm gonna rewind it a little bit here. Because it feels like there's a lot of man love. It's 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 emotional. It's not physical. Of him, my rookie year. Uh, he, I mean, I have in my locker a photo of him, my rookie year. Uh, he was very friendly right off the bat. He's a consummate pro. He does everything the right way. <laughs> What's happening? Um, from the approach, everything off the field, to preparation before practice, to knowing his playbook, to being on time, um, to even what it means to be a father, to be a husband, to be a man, <laughs> and... There isn't an amount of money that can that you can put a price tag on what he can teach people. This is a lot of love. Whether you want to listen to him or you happen to have, you know, he happens to pull you aside. Uh, talking about his football ability, his IQ's off the charts, his chemistry with our quarterback, obviously, as we've all been, uh, we've all experienced, is something that uh, is a recipe for success. And I think what he brings in the offense, or sorry, what he brings in the wide receiver room. Um, as well as what he's going to do in slot, I think is going to be very beneficial to us and add an extra weapon that um, can really help us out, um, not only in the regular season, but I think down the stretch. Okay, I totally I totally need to see that picture now that's in his locker because I think it would be hilarious, like kind of a troll from Bakhtiari, if it is like a significant you know, memory from Bakhtiari's rookie year and Randall Cobb's just kind of in the background. Yeah, I'm, I want to see the picture. Why, why is Randall Cobb in your locker? I want to see the picture, and I want to know if Randall Cobb paid David Bakhtiari money to say all those good I'm things thinking, about him. I'm thinking it's like a triumphant moment from his rookie year, and Randall Cobb is just kind of like the half-blurred-out image in the background. <laughs> I felt, David Bakhtiari has the bromance budding for Randall Cobb.
Rodgers could be getting jealous. Yeah, Rodgers might be jealous over this. Just, I think David Bakhtiari really wanted to come out and say one thing. That Randall Cobb is, as Tina Turner is going to sing about here eventually, is simply the best. I, I honestly think Randall Cobb is... David Bakhtiari's got a love thing for Randall Cobb. It's emotional. It's not physical. And hey, if that's what brings together a tight-knit locker room, then that's what brings together a tight-knit locker room. I love it. You have you have Bakhtiari, Rodgers, and, and Cobb that are obviously super close. And then on the other side of the locker room, you have MVS and Kenny Clark going at each other's throats. <laughs> there it is. But Rowdy, some basketball news. Something that a lot of uh, Badgers like to do, right? And just a lot of collegiate players. You go overseas and you make some bank, right? That's what a lot of uh, a lot of cats have done, especially like Sam Decker. Sam Decker, obviously in uh, the NBA, and then he went overseas. What to two seasons? Played professionally in Russia and Turkey. Got a bag. Got the bag. Well, Sam Decker is back in the NBA, going to the Toronto Raptors. A lot of Badgers flavor, Rowdy. And Demetri Trice just signed a summer league contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if you saw that. Not only is there some Badger flavor, but also there's just some Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin flavor with that Toronto Blue Jays squad. Now they have Sam Decker, and last I checked, Raptors. Uh, yeah, last I checked, didn't they also have Matt Thomas on that team last year? Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then you got what uh, Frank Kaminsky, who was obviously playing for the Phoenix Suns. We saw him actually have a a decent game for him albeit in a loss to the Milwaukee Bucks when they won the championship. Uh, but Decker back in the NBA, Toronto Raptors. Sam Decker, he's a, or I'm sorry, Frank Kaminsky, living large for the Phoenix Suns. And then you have Dimitri Trice, who has now signed a, uh, a a little contract with the Bucks for the Summer League. So see what happens with Trice. Uh, th- didn't Bronson Koenig play for the Bucks for a, a blink of an eye? I, I think he was a. Day I think he was a two. Yeah, was he a two way contract? Yep. That was like right when all those two way contracts were newer. Yeah, and then um, you look at what's going on with the, uh, you know, the Badgers out there. Good for Sam Decker coming back. I know uh, Russia and Turkey being far away, especially when you're newly married, got to be a little interesting. But did you see that not even his wife could break the news? Adrian Wojnarowski, a Woj bomb, got it even before his wife. Uh, was it Olivia? Olivia? Olivia Decker now? who is a reporter, couldn't even break the news first. It was Adrian Wojnowski. Uh, pretty wild, man. So Sam said, the climb back the past two years has tested me more than anything in my career, but the journey is the reward. I'm humbled, grateful. There's always another hill to climb in this life, as indeed he is back. So there you go. Remember when the Milwaukee Bucks could have drafted him? Do you remember that? And that's when the Bucks were like toiling around, not doing too good, and everyone was like, you got to draft him, just put butts in the seats. I think it all worked out with everything uh, yeah, I think not it, drafting. Him. I think it worked out well. I think too. it worked out okay. So no PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker's now gone to the Miami Heat. Uh, he is gone, but the Bucks do bring back George Hill, and they got Rodney Hood coming as well. I don't know. What do you think? The Bucks really don't have much money to do. Obviously, and they brought back Bobby Portis at nine million. The Bucks don't really have much money, right? And uh, you got some older cats coming in now. Uh, what's the What's the vibe for the Milwaukee Bucks and? Uh, what they've been bringing back in Portis, which is nice. I like the Portis move and George Hill. Yeah, well, we briefly talked about it. What was that yesterday when they made a couple moves too? I like the Ojale move. I think it's a yeah, know, poor man's a poor man's PJ Tucker. He's cheaper. He's younger. He's a guy that can uh, guard multiple positions. I mean, he's not going to be anything special, but he can basically fill that PJ Tucker role. Yeah. And then you look at it. I think we are all in agreement. 
and that was even going back to last week, that they had to bring Bobby Portis back or else at Big least time. do all they could to bring him back. And they did it. They did it for a, a more of a, a bargain deal. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the other moves, I like the Rodney Hood move. He's a guy that's proven that he can be a scorer. Now, granted, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy, which is what you're going to have to bank on, <laughs> I think he could be a nice player off the bench. Agreed. And then George Hill is kind of a meh to me. Well, he's good off the bench when his time, his, you know, his first two years with the Bucks, and then in the bubble though, he really disappeared. Like that's when everyone kind of like. Obviously, it worked out at the end because the Bucks just won the championship. But George Hill spent two years with the Bucks, big time coming off the bench for the second unit, averaged eight point two points, two point eight rebounds, two point six assists, and he had a career best forty six percent from beyond the arc in his second season. And then, how about this, Rowdy? How would you like to be a guy like uh, George Hill? You get traded, a part of that multi-team trade that brought Drew Holiday to Milwaukee, where Hill was sent to Oklahoma City, played just 14 games. And then in March, Hill was part of another trade that landed him with the 76ers. He played 16 games for the 76ers in the regular season before playing in all 12 postseason games. And then the team that you were with that sent you away then wins the championship. Team that has now won the championship has now brought you back. But the only thing you missed out on was the championship run. Yeah, you missed the ring How'd you like and the be, bonus. I, yeah, the ring and the bonus. Would you be more hungry then coming back? Like, come on, man. Let's run this thing back. Let's go. Let's get it. I saw Bobby Portis tweet out there. He's like, uh, he said, let's run this thing back. I, I don't think uh, George Hill can be that upset because if you remember correctly back to the uh, 2020 bubble, he was also the one that even when it came crunch time in the playoffs, didn't want to play. Yeah, yeah, he did not. So I guess at the end there, he's just like, he's like, yeah, we got other things to focus on, man. And that's what the Bucks did, and we saw what happened. Well, the Bucks got ousted by the Miami Heat. I, I kind of look at the Bucks offseason so far and their free agent moves kind of like I did the the Brewers. Th- they can't go out and spend a ton of money because they, they just yeah, don't they have the cap space. And what they've done, I kind of like it. It's it's not like it's the best thing they could have done, but they don't really have the money to go out and do a ton of things. They're They're – Filling roles with players that are decent enough for the money they have. Yeah. And, and and without completely breaking up your roster, like trading away a Middleton or a Holiday or a Giannis, I mean, you're kind of you're kind of stuck with these type of moves. You totally are. And it's like how do you keep the uh the big three, quote unquote, happy? How do you uh keep, you know, a nice little you know, role players around them feeling good? I think, you know, bringing George Hill, I I like the move. Rodney Hood, like you said, if he's healthy, you'll take that. Um, Bobby Portis was a no-brainer. So we'll see what happens. The Bucks really couldn't do too much because they were – didn't they only have like was – it, was it five or seven Yeah, million? and with the George Hill move, I know I did see some tweets. Like I think everybody is pretty much expecting Thanasis to get another sweetheart deal. Yes. And after that, the roster is pretty much rounded out already for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like there's there's not a ton of other moves the Bucks are going to make that would make sense financially, especially when you look at the end of the bench with some of those younger players that they had just drafted or just brought in or were on two way deals. Mm-hmm. There isn't a whole lot of salary to go around or guys that you could really replace out of that uh, that group of players. Yeah, so there you go. So it looks like Milwaukee, uh, barring any big time trade that would really break up this team, yeah, looks like they're going with a pretty close to similar the same squad in the next year. The funniest thing about, you know, all of this uh, in the NBA and all the moves that are being made, um, the Chicago Bulls, by the way, getting a little better. They got DeMar DeRozan now, Caruso, and Lonzo Ball now in the Windy City just to lose to the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Does that mean that they're finally going to be older than the Wisconsin Badgers I, basketball team? I think team? so. I think so, Rowdy. Uh, speaking of old, though, this is what I wanted to bring up. I thought it was funny. The Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, rumor is they're moving from the Staples Center into an old folks' home as and changing their name to the Los Angeles Geriatrics. As LeBron James recruiting, obviously, you got Russell Westbrook in town, and now coming in on a one-year deal, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. Melo and Bronny finally teaming up. 18-year veteran. Flourished, they say, in his bench role at the Blazers last season. Carmelo Anthony now ring-chasing with LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. I saw a tweet that actually blew my mind yesterday when – you talk about all the guys that they're signing. It's it's a lot of old veterans. Melo's 37. LeBron James is now the longest tenured player on the Los Angeles Lakers. He's been there for three years. Well, <laughs> Think about that. LeBron came in and said, all these guys are bums. You're going to do what I want to do. Basically, and they traded away a ton of players and cut a ton of players, re-signed other players. And yeah, LeBron James is now the longest tenured player on that Los Angeles Lakers team. He's he's been there for three years. Carmelo Anthony, thirty-seven. LeBron James is thirty-six. Russell Westbrook is thirty-two. Um, I'm looking at this team, Rowdy, and obviously you got ring chasers on there because they think maybe teaming up with LeBron James is going to be their best oh, bet. It's a hundred percent a team of old ring chasers. That's all it is. Uh, let's see here. Um, I think Trevor Ariza is rejoining the Lakers. Yep, Dwight Howard. Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore. Oh, there was the other tweet Ariza's that I saw. Ariza's 36. That where it was like they quoted a tw- the roster tweet, and they're like, this team would have been good a decade ago. This team would have been awesome a decade ago. Decade, 15 years ago. The- Dwight Howard is 35. Trevor Ariza is 36. LeBron James is 36. Carmelo Anthony is 37. Russell Westbrook, who is a notorious team killer, is 32. Rowdy, I'I'm looking at this team. Who where are they gonna go get Pau Gasol? He's like forty. Might as well go get He's him back. For Spain. Yeah, might as well get him back for the Lakers. Here's what's gonna happen with the LA Lakers. You're gonna have all these old heads in NBA years. They think they're gonna be the bee's knees, and then they're gonna maybe get to the second round. Well, we guarantee you that LeBron James whines. Like that's guaranteed. Let's see here. Ellington's thirty three. Baysmore. How old is Baysmore? I don't think he's that old. Well, just looking just looking at that Lakers roster, yeah, they're older, and it, it kind of makes me think of, remember in some of those Miami years where it was oh, 32. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and then some Ray Allen, mm-hmm. and then it was like all the other geriatric LeBron <laughs> friends that were like tagging along, but remember that though, where they had like half the bench was just like his buddies yeah, th- that were trying to get rings, like do you remember Mike Miller, how he could barely run up and down the court? Hell or remember, yeah. um, uh, was it John? It was Jones. It wasn't John Jones. Was it James, James Jones, Jones, the basketball player? Yeah, not the uh... not the football player that played for the Packers, but he was like the shooter every once in a while that would play like 30 seconds a game. Mm-hmm. Like He basically carried buddies along on that team, and they would still win because obviously it was prime LeBron James, and for a time there it was prime Dwayne Wade, prime Chris Bosh. They were great players, and they could carry that many. I don't know. I would think because LeBron James tells us how intelligent he is that he realizes all these guys are older, and he can't carry them like that anymore because he's getting older. Who's going to carry all these guys? Anthony Davis is going to carry them all? I guess. And then you look at well, – He gets hurt a lot, you look too. look at – Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook has been known to be a guy that needs the ball in his hands. Oh yeah. We know that Anthony Davis needs his touches and obviously LeBron James is going to want the ball in his hands. 
I, the the recipe in LA right now for the Lakers, it's this is gonna be a failure. Melo's never taken a shot he didn't like. That's on also and correct. off the court. That's also correct. Yeah, he's taking a lot of shots. I think he's going through a divorce right now with uh I don't even remember her name. I know she looks like Kim Kardashian kinda. Of. Was it Lala? Yeah, Lala. There you go. I don't know why I know that. She's in she actually was a good she's a good actress. She I was watching Fifty Cent's <laughs> Fifty Cent had a show. Um what the hell is it called now? I like it. I like it too. Damn it! What's it called? It's a good show on HBO. The Whatever. Housewives of no. the NBA. No, it was it was a good show. <laughs> Fifty Cent. That was bugging me. Fifty Cent TV show. It was really good. Man, Fifty what Cent. Can I remember. 50 Power. C- That's what it's called. Power. Fifty Cent can do it all, right? He can rap. He comes out with TV. He's got his own liquor. The only thing you he can't do shot. is throw out a first pitch. No, he could get shot, and he lives. Like Fifty, 50 does it all, man. The dude literally is going to get rich or die trying. And right now he's rich. He just, the only thing he can't do is throw out the first pitch. No. Still better than Fauci. Welcome right back. The Razor's Edge. <laughs> That's debatable.